Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. This is episode number 230. And today in the show, we have back for the third year in a row our Rut Radio miniseries, in which we are getting from the field updates from all across the country on the latest in deer behavior, activity, and conditions. All right, welcome back to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. And today we are here for the third season of our Rut Radio miniseries. We started this back in 2016. It had rave reviews. We've kept it going, and we are back now. I'm excited. And for those who are not familiar, we have Spencer Newharth. You probably know Spencer by now, but if not, he's a producer with the show and helps us run Rut Radio. And Spencer, you're back. Can you give us the, once more, the quick rundown of what we've got going on in these episodes, what we can expect uh, here today and in the future? So with each episode, uh, these will come out once a week in the fall all the way through January. And we're going to be talking to hunters from across the nation, um, people who I really respect their opinion on whitetails and want to hear about what they're seeing. And so I'm going to talk to them and, and interview them and bring you guys um, you, you know, the intel that I think is super relevant about what they're seeing for buck activity and hopefully make it a piece of the puzzle for when you're out hunting this fall. And if you're trying to decide between a couple stand locations, uh, you know, maybe something it can be pulled from these 30-minute podcasts that will help you decide on, uh, you know, what the deer might be doing. Well, I sure as hell hope that's the case because I need a little bit of help. I've been hunting the last three nights, haven't got it done yet. Do you have some information with our guests today that's going to help me put an arrow in a Montana deer? I, I think this will be pretty helpful because uh, of the four hunters we talked to today, two of them uh, tagged out a September 2nd kill and an August 31st kill. So you'll have to listen and, and see who we talked to that tagged out there. And we start in Nebraska with Derek Leininger from the Lindsay Way. Then we talked to Terry Hires from Blackwater Hunting Club in South Carolina. Then we go to North Dakota and talk to David G. Rizzo from Tag and Brag. And then we talked to Josh Honeycutt from Realtree.com in Kentucky. 
Nice. I like it. We got kind of west. We've got middle of the country. We got the south. Good job on that, Spencer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, now, now, what everyone's wondering, though, I just spilled the beans and told everyone I haven't filled my Montana tag yet. Um, but is Lieutenant Dan dead? Have you killed Lieutenant Dan yet? I have not killed him. I've haunted two out of the last three nights uh, since opener and have yet to lay my eyes on him. So we will see how that goes, but I am not super confident right now, but it's it's just a lot of fun to be out there in early September like this. It, it's just totally different um, on all your senses. So I, I'm having fun either way. And even if I don't kill Lieutenant Dan in early September here, I don't think that's going to close the book on, on me getting a chance at that deer. Well, I have lots and lots of questions about what you've been trying to do so far, and I've got a lot to share about what I've been up to so far. Um, but we're going to save that stuff for the main podcast this week because on Thursday's episode, you, me, and Furter are all going to spend the entire podcast talking about how our hunts have been going, what we've been doing, what we've been trying, what's working. Um, Josh actually just got to North Dakota today. So he's going to start hunting tonight. So he'll have two hunts in the books by the time we record. Um, so lots to share there. But I guess can I spin my typical or your typical question back at you really quick and just see in South Dakota so far, how has the movement been at a high level without giving away too, many, too much? I, I don't have a ton of intel from my hunts. I'm hunting a fairly closed off area where I don't have a huge view of, um, you know, like the bean field that I'm hunting around. So my observations might not be uh, a great representation of what's actually going on, but the weather right now looks really good for early September like this. This is what you would want. It's, it's a cold front right now, and that's going to go through all the way early next week. And so I, I would say it's, it's pretty good right now. Um, probably a seven or eight, but I, I don't have great intel. How about you, Mark? What would you say in Montana? Yeah, well, it's been probably like an eight or nine. I mean, it's been really good. And I don't think that's because of any kind of weather factor yet because it's been pretty hot. Um, but I've found this little tucked away, well, a couple pieces of tucked away public land that are just really hard to get to that I just don't think anyone ever goes to. And because of that, these deer are very unpressured, very comfortable. Um, and I've also found the right food sources. So because of that, seeing great activity and just haven't quite been able to get everything put together, but, but it's looking really good. So probably an eight or nine. And as you mentioned, that cold front that hit today. So it's going to be really good today and tomorrow, I think with those temperatures dropping high barometric pressure. Um, so I feel, I feel pretty good about things about as good as I could ask for. So things are, things are lining up nicely. Anything, anything different if you had to like summarize or cliff note what the rest of the guys have told you so far, is that kind of what everyone's been saying or, or are we unique? No, uh, a lot of people are, you know, around that seven or eight, they feel for the, what the buck activity has been and a very similar number for what they think it's going to be here. Um, we're we're kind of seeing some unique weather across the country. And so that's playing a factor for what some of these guys are saying. Um, but they also have a lot of good food sources available. Um, and they've been doing pretty vanilla setups for the most part too. Um, kind of your typical early season field edge setup or, or hunting over water. So uh, there are still some intricacies though to hunting this time of year. And I think you'll pick up on some of those things from these four interviews. Awesome. Well, anything else we need to cover before you can take it away with the interviews? I don't think so. Let's get to our first guest.
All right. Before we get to our first update, though, let's take a break for a word from our sponsors at Whitetail Properties. This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Tom James, a land specialist out of central Indiana. And Tom is going to be telling us about what to look for when your goal is to flip a property. Okay, great question. Um, First and foremost, looking at a good county in your state or even a good part of the county that is known for producing um, better quality deer. And that's uh, typically easily found out in in the state's record book program. So those counties are typically more highly sought after by buyers um, as opposed to, you know, maybe counties that are off out of that parameter. So number one, a good county, maybe even a better part of the county that uh, is known for producing better deer. Secondly, I would look for property that you can pick up right at market value and slightly under market value, obviously, as a home run. But uh, make sure you do your homework. Find out what the comps and local, local land is selling for and that mixed recreational ground and that would be timber and maybe some pasture uh, some tillable ground mixed in so number two good value at at the current market price and number three look at uh, sometimes an often overlooked aspect of timber that people don't know a lot about is um, the quality of the hardwood species that are on the property if you can find 18 inch and uh, larger diameter trees in there specifically white oaks red oaks walnut cherry um, sugar maple the white oak market is extremely hot right now, and anything above that is going to that size range is going to re- return dividends that you could use to, applying to paying the property back off, and also doing some great habitat work in the process by opening up the uh, the canopy and getting some good habitat work going on in there. If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Tom currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com/james. That's J A M E S. All right, and joining me on the line first is Derek Leininger of Nebraska from the Lindsay Way. Now, Derek, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you say the buck activity has been lately? Well, lately, I'd say this last week, it's been uh, probably 7 out of 10. It's hit or miss. I've been, uh, I this time of year, I really plan on the first six days of hunting season to uh, capitalize because I leave that seventh eighth to get down to georgia with the jeff and david to uh hit the georgian georgia opener so i really plan all my food plots and everything around these first six days and ever since nebraska opened their season up on september 1st it's it's helped a lot you know get those bucks closer to uh velvet and they're still on their summer patterns so right now uh clover this first week actually the last four years me and my wife have killed a deer on this exact same plot in uh out of the same tree stand uh four years in a row now so i would say clover uh this first week if you don't have any beans around beans i think would trump clover but in the section that i have uh there's no other food besides my clover plot and a little alfalfa and i strategized and cut my clover about two weeks ago so i'd have a good regrowth and uh, it paid off. Well, you killed an awesome buck there on the second sit of the season for you on September 2nd. Tell us a little bit about that buck, uh, and about that hunt. You bet. So it's a, a deer that my son Cole called Slade. It's off a superhero movie, I guess, but, uh, I'm not familiar with that one, but he called it Slade. So I went with it, but there's a Last year he was a three-year-old, and uh, in my area, you know, Jeff and David always preach five years or older, but obviously their their properties are a little well 
more well-managed and have better neighbors in the area where I live in southeast Nebraska, about 20 minutes from Lincoln. So it's a very heavily populated area. I have actually have about 600 acres of state, you know, public ground across the road from me. And uh, a lot of, uh, if it's brown, it's down neighbors. So if a deer gets to four for me, it's, it's, uh, it's considered a five-year-old in my area, in, in my opinion and whatnot. So you kind of, I set my age structure based on, you know, the situations that I have here, but, uh, but no, it was, it's been raining since Saturday night, opening night, it was raining on me the whole time and the deer moved a little bit, but I didn't see any bucks and the bucks that the buck that I shot actually didn't even show up on camera that night. I run Spartan cell camera on this clover plot and, uh, always with an easterly wind it didn't matter if it was southeast northeast any easterly wind he would usually show up in daylight but uh saturday night opening night that wind and uh the, there was not much of a wind it, it was just uh kind of calm and i've noticed that deer don't like to move when it's calmer in my area but uh and then the rain held him back but the next day saturday or sunday when i killed him uh, there's a nice 12 12 mile an hour wind and uh straight out of the east and it was a little bit of a cooler wind and I just it felt right and the rain had it rained all afternoon up until the last two hours and I think once we got that break they got up on their feet and he was coming to the plot about 8 15 with another buck that's a five-year-old that I had and uh they came walking down the trail at 805 so a little earlier and stopped at 26 yards and I was able to make a good shot and recover him pretty quick that was an awesome deer no matter where you're at or what kind of property you hunt so uh you know i'd I'd be ecstatic with a september 2nd buck like that now you touched on it a little bit there uh, talking about that hunt but you guys have had some unique weather as of late Uh, tell me a little bit about those monsoon like conditions that you've experienced in nebraska yeah so since uh since let's see saturday evening it's either rain between one and five inches in some of the area every single day so it, and it's it's coming down right now again and we're almost at three inches just from last night so it's been non-stop rain and the forecast throughout the day starting on you know when i was checking the weather last saturday or on saturday you know looking at this whole week you know the only week that i have to hunt solid before i start traveling and filming jeff and david uh it was rain every night and so i was a little nervous and uh thank god you know the one night that i I killed it. It didn't rain. So thank the Lord that, you know, I got that opportunity, but yeah, it looks like rain nonstop. And, uh, Kyle Karcher, the other producer for us and land manager over at the, at Iowa, the Iowa farm, he actually sat the other night in his brother's truck from when he got in the tree and got out, his brother's truck had water up to the headlights. So it's, it's been nonstop rain here. And I, it's, it's going to kill the, the deer movement for sure. Uh, I actually had the buck that runs with the one that I had harvested the other night. He was on camera at 3 a.m. when it stopped raining. So I think if a guy can uh, catch some breaks at the, you know, the the magic hour in the evenings that they're going to be really good these next couple of days. But it's it's not looking like the rain's going to stop for the next three days. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck moon is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Nebraska? In Nebraska, I think you know, the movements, it's still going to be good. You're still going to want to hunt. If you got good green beans yet, there's, depending on when the farmer got the beans in your area, if you got a nice spot close to bedding or a, a hidden area that, you know, near some good bedding and timber that uh, you can still kill them on the greens. And if we get some cool fronts, I think tomorrow there's actually, it's supposed to drop down 
into the 60s, high 60s, lower 70s. So I think these next couple of days, if it stops raining, uh, a guy can really capitalize if he hunts, if he's got some good green plots or if he's got good good green beans that uh, if he's got a buck that he knows is in the area, he could have a good chance. But there is also a lot of beans starting to turn in this southeast corner of Nebraska. So I've noticed as soon as those beans turn a little bit, I mean, automatically the deer shut off. So if you got a, a good rat radish plot or any sort of good green clover plot or a nice alfalfa field you can hunt i would definitely camping out over those the next couple days yeah so i think you know these next five days it's supposed to stop raining friday and then into the weekend it's supposed to you know get some better weather so i think you know anywhere from a, a seven to a 10 out of 10 these next couple days if the rain stops uh the movement the bucks are just starting to shed they're still you know i think they've still got a good week or so of summer movement and before they start getting hard horn brain and moving all over all over the county. Congrats again on the great deer, and uh, thanks for joining me, Derek. I look forward to seeing some of the Lindsay Way work this fall. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, and joining us on the line next is Terry Hires from Blackwater Hunting Club in South Carolina. Now, Terry, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, one to ten. If you're talking about a, you know a week or so ago, we were probably up there around, uh, I'd say around seven percent, maybe eight. Now uh, seems like after these bucks shed the velvet, we go into a little bit of lull, and we're we're probably around the the five uh, scale on the scale of five. And you know, and I don't know what the reason for, but it seems like when these bucks shed their shed their velvet, they just they start splitting up a little bit, and um, you know, start rubbing trees and. But but they're not near as active. Um, it, it's generally only in the late September, early October before they uh, start getting mo- moving a lot. We you know in this part of the country we we've got eleven thousand acres. We only hunt eight people a day, and um, we're probably seventy five percent wooded, and the rest of it's agriculture. Most of that being peanuts, cotton, corn, uh, soybeans, that type of stuff. Now, you guys have the unique opportunity uh, to hunt starting August 15th there in South Carolina. How has the hunting changed um, from August 15th until now? Um, Do those setups look similar, and are you hunting a lot of the same patterns that that those deer had back then? We do hunt the same patterns, and, uh, you know, we're a little different than some states because we can, you know, because we can put out corn and that type of stuff and our, our road systems. You know, we we're pretty flat. We, our road system, uh, you know, pr- pretty much you can every three or four hundred yards you can drive drive in. You know, if a deer runs off, if you trail him, you can get into another road. So, you know, we don't have to put the hunters out and uh, you know route them in. We can basically drive right to our stand. That's a big plus for us. It it helps you know with the human scent. Um, you know, we can we can try. I've seen some talk lately of hurricanes uh, around Florida, and you know that's always a threat to you guys there in South Carolina. How does that affect the deer hunting when those hurricanes start moving up the coast? Well, you know, weather always, you know, a, a change in weather can be a good good thing. It, I mean, we get these these showers in here and cools things off. You know, these these deer, I mean, they're great with reading this weather, so. You know, it, it usually it usually helps us now. If it gets rain and nasty, and it'll shut them down for a while, and as soon as it you know kind of clears back up, they'll they'll turn back on. And of course, I think most people know if they deer hunt, and especially when you get into the cool weather, if you 
if you get a rain and and it, a good rain and after that it cools down the next day and it clears up, man, that's that's just generally when, when they're on for sure. Well, going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, in the next week or two, we'll, we'll still be in the September. I mean, it, it should get better if, if, if we're around a 5 or 6 now. It, it get up there 6 or six and a half. I wouldn't want to put much more than a 7 because I don't want to mislead anybody on that. Possibly a 8, but you, you really just don't see the good buck numbers uh, exceed you know, past a seven mark to probably get into, um, like I said, about the 5th to 10th of October. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, Terry, and good luck to your hunters there at the Blackwater Hunting Lodge. Thank you, Spencer. Appreciate the call. Joining us on the line next is David G. Rizzo from Team Tag and Brag in North Dakota. Now, David, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Honestly, this last week, I'd probably say it was it was about a six out of ten. Um, I actually I got lucky and, and shot a buck on opening night of North Dakota season on Friday, but since then the buck activity has gone pretty nocturnal. Um, the bucks, at least that we're observing, seem to be splitting up a bit. We had a, we've had a couple that have turned hard horned, so I think you know their hormones are kicking in. Um, they're starting to feel a little bit different. And the bachelor groups right now are starting to split up a little bit, on top of which the weather up here has been average to a little bit warmer. Um, so the daylight activity in general for the deer has, hasn't been the greatest over the past couple of days for sure. So that's kind of where we're at right now. I'm hoping that things change over the next few days as we got a cold front rolling in here. Tell me a little bit about that hunt uh, where you killed that buck on August 31st. Yeah, so we we actually we came up here probably three weeks ago and set um, eight eight trail cameras up. And on this particular spot, we've had three what we call shooter bucks, four and a half plus year old deer coming in on a pretty regular basis. So we had high hopes going into the hunt, although. Like I said, it's been a little bit warm, and the few days prior to the hunt, um, there was not a whole lot of buck activity. And honestly, I think we just we just timed it up perfect on one of those one of those nights where it was just right. And we saw a lot of deer. I mean, we saw probably ten to twelve deer before we saw him. We saw one of our other shooters before we saw him. Um, I think we had we had two bucks that were literally right under us for probably 20 minutes that really kind of held us hostage in the stand for a little bit. Um, but for whatever reason, these deer were up on their feet early that night. Um, it was a little bit cooler and it was a little bit breezier. Uh, but nonetheless, like I said, the deer were coming from all different directions. We were hunting, uh, the edge of a soybean field that basically connected to a big finger of, of a, of a tree row. And the deer typically come, from the backside of this soybean field out of these sloughs and they work their way through the soybeans and then they just kind of feed up and down the tree rows is what we've really observed uh, over the last couple of years coming up here. Honestly, this has been one of our better spots over the last few years. So that was going to be our tactic going into day one. And, you know, it just so happened that we got lucky and, and one of those shooter bucks came across the beans and literally 
read the script. I mean, he ended up 25 yards, um, made a perfect double long shot, and he fell within sight um, in a matter of seconds. So it was, honestly, for me, it, w- it was a dream come true. I've, I've never shot a velvet buck before. My biggest deer to date, along with shooting a velvet buck. So to, to start off the season, as you can imagine, we're on cloud nine right now. Yeah, that was a, a textbook setup. It looked like the the shot was great. The setup was like your ideal, you know, early season stand location, and and everything came together for you. You guys can check out that video on Tag and Bragg's Facebook page. And one of the cool things about these guys and why I enjoy following them is the quick turnaround time. Like you shot that deer on Friday, and I think it was by Saturday you had you know fully edited. Uh, produced video of, of that haunt up and and so uh, it's really unique to to what you guys are doing now i know you've uh, been running some trail cameras there for a while tell us a little bit about what you've learned from from having those up for the last month or so you know it, it seems like we're in we're in that kind of finicky period right now where the bucks are starting to kind of feel their dominance they're starting to a lot of them are getting hard horned right now some of them may be losing velvet and they're starting to go from, like, bachelor groups to, like, ah, I don't know if I want to hang out with you anymore. You know what I mean? So it's, it's it can be a great time of the year to hunt. It also can be very tough because some of the bucks we've been watching for the last three weeks, we haven't seen in five days. And that's frustrating because, you know, it, you, you're, you're anticipating this coming out here and feeling good about coming out here and all of a sudden, you know, two to three of these other shooters are just MIA. And so right now what we're trying to do is just shift the trail cameras a little bit. Um, You know, it could be 100, 200, 300 yards one way or the other, and all of a sudden that shooter buck may pop up again. But right now it it really seems like the, the bigger bucks at least are kind of splitting off of the bachelor groups, or at least they're starting to, and they're starting to kind of, go on their lonesome and, and, and do their own thing as they shed their velvet. So it's, like I said, right now we're just trying to play the weather and uh, and try and get lucky again and get one of these shooters coming out to one of our spots. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to look like on a scale of 1 to 10 in North Dakota? You know, I really think over the next couple of days, for sh- like specifically, it's going to be probably right around that 8 out of 10 mark. Um, I think the next couple of days is going to be the best hunting days of our whatever week to 10 days up here because the weather has finally switched. So we had, we had temps in the high seventies, low eighties for the first, you know, three to four days of the hunting season. And now we have highs in the upper sixties. It's getting down to the forties at night. So as soon as that sun goes down, I mean, it cools down quick when you're in the sand. And I really think that's going to play a huge factor. Um, I am kind of foreseeing that these, some of these bucks, some of these shooters that we haven't seen in four to five days or so are going to reappear. And, it, and you know, we shouldn't be hesitant to hunting the spots that we've hunted over the past couple of days where we haven't seen a lot because I think they're going to return to those spots based on, you know, the weather, with the weather patterns, the pressure being high, and all the overall cooler temperatures. Well, great insight, David. Thanks again for joining me. Congrats on the Velvet Buck. I appreciate you having me on, Spencer. Thanks a lot.
All right, and joining us on the podcast last is Josh Honeycutt with Realtree.com out of Kentucky. Now, Josh, in Kentucky, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, from what I could tell, it's been like a three, three and a half. It's been pretty poor daylight activity so far. Um, you know, there has been some people in Kentucky that's had some early success, uh, as you would expect, regardless of the temperature, you know, there's always some success, you know, that first week of the season, just because of the patterns that some of the deer are still in. Um, from my perspective though, uh, what I've seen for the first few days of the season, um, it's, it's been a little tougher this year than normal. Uh, we've got a lot of, uh, patrons on the trees. The, ma- the mass crop is a lot heavier this year. Uh, and believe it or not, it's actually started dropping already. Um, you know, there's, uh, so there's, there's a lot of challenges, which, you know, heavy mass crop is good for the deer. Obviously that's good for the deer. Uh, but it makes the hunting tough. And, you know, those, those, I've noticed a big shift, you know, I do a lot of scouting around a lot of trail cameras. And there was a huge shift about a week ago, about five or six days before the season started. A lot of the deer that I've been watching on the different properties that I hunt, they, they just, uh, you know, immediately change all at once within about 48 hours. Um, not all of them, but a lot of the deer that I've been keeping tabs on, they just, they, they change their patterns up, you know, almost overnight. So it's almost like that mass crop uh, has started dropping, I believe. And uh, the temperatures have been really what's uh, what's hurt us as much as anything we've had really stagnant hot temperatures no fluctuation whatsoever and as as you know you know that's that makes something tough under those circumstances with warm weather and big mass crop, big mass crop what would you say would be an ideal setup right now then to get a mature buck on the ground you know it's tough because you know generally speaking for this part of the country you know especially for the places that i hunt right uh, you know you usually can pretty much bank on those deer being in their summer patterns that you've either been watching them on and following them on, you know, in June, July, August. Uh, they usually carry those into the first week, at least the first week of September, uh, sometimes as late as uh, the 10th to the 15th. So it's, it's really made it a little more difficult this year. Um, and you you, you got to relearn the deer. You've got to relearn them. you got to figure out what their new patterns are. Um, I think a lot of those new patterns are – uh, they're hugging a little tighter to the beds. I don't think they're getting up from their beds quite as early of an afternoon because of the, 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 the hot temperatures. Um, I think they're pretty much hugging in, hugging the timber too because of the, the mass crop, you know, and, uh, you know, they're already dropping. I've talked to a lot of people and everybody's hearing acorns at the ground right now. So, um, it's that time of year where that shift happens. So you, you got to get back in the timber with them because, you know, uh, for a lot of places around here, a deer can pretty much stand up out of its bed and immediately start eating, uh, eating mast. So uh, you just got to get in tight to the beds. You know, it's that risk versus reward type thing where you gotta, you gotta get in as tight as you can without bumping them. But uh, that's really what it's going to take. And with these hot temperatures, if you don't have a deer that's moving in daylight right now, or at least in the afternoon, um, you know, it kind of goes against a lot of the things that you hear that you read. Um, but you know, hunting mornings can be productive early season as long as you do it intelligently and do it wisely. So if you were to do a morning setup, then what would that look like? Well, it really depends on the situation. Every, uh, every situation, there's certain farms that I just would not hunt mornings this time of year simply because you can't get in there without spooking deer. But if you have a good entry and exit routes that you can use, uh, and uh, to get into a spot uh, that's that's gonna 
get you to the tree stand without bumping deer. Um, you know, that might, you know, there's a lot of different scenarios out there, but one particular scenario might be, uh, you know, you're going to be closer to the beds. You obviously don't want to get right on those food sources in the mornings because you're going to bump deer off. So you definitely want to be back in the cup, back in the, uh, back in cover a little bit deeper than you normally would be. Uh, you don't want to travel past, uh, big food sources on your way to the stand because you risk bumping deer so so it is tough especially early season trying to get into a, a stand location uh of a morning without bumping deer but if you've got a spot that you think you can get to um that's close to a bedding area that might be a staging area it might be a you know an oak flat that deer travel through as they you know go from bigger food sources back to their bedding areas if you got a, a situation like that or a similar scenario uh, it might pay to do something like that of a morning right now. Ordinarily, right now, we would still find bachelor groups hanging out together. Are you seeing that in Kentucky in 2018? I tell you, it's been a weird year for me. Um, typically, almost always our bachelor groups remain intact until about, you know, the middle of September anyway. You know, I, I usually don't see the first bachelor groups breaking up until about September 10th, 12th. And some of them even hang around into, you know, the middle of September and even the end of September. I, I, I have even seen, which is obviously the other end of the spectrum, but I've seen bachelor groups last into the middle of October, which is which is rare too. But this year it's been a little different. You know, the deer have started breaking up a little bit more. There's a particular deer I've been watching all summer long because that's the deer that I wanted to target. And that deer just completely, he was on a heavy, heavy pattern, consistent pattern up until about the last week. Uh, leading up to this opening day so up until about last monday or tuesday he was on a really consistent pattern and then just changed overnight and he had been running with two other bucks and that bachelor group split up right whenever that uh that shift that change that transition happened and that deer has been running on his own for the last weeks or so so those bachelor groups i think for whatever reason they're bust, starting to bust up a little bit earlier than they typically do this year Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Kentucky? I don't think it gets any better than it is right now. Um, you know, and there might be some people out there who are seeing something completely different than I am. There might be, you know, it might be night and day. You know, my situation is maybe completely different from what others are experiencing. I'm hearing a lot of the same, though. But I don't think it gets any better. If anything, I think it gets worse. Um, because, you know, I've looked at the forecast in the next 10 days, it's, you know, consistent highs, consistent lows, there's hardly any variation in temperature. The only thing that we really got going for us in the next 10 days is there's going to be a lot of uh, weather events and there's a lot of, you know, you know, some people think, you know, out there say that, you know, rain events will encourage deer movement. Some of them say they don't. Uh, something else to keep an eye on too are these hurricanes that are coming up through the, the Gulf. Uh, because if those hit just right, that can give us a little bit of a cold shot, a little bit of a cold front or drop in temperatures as those pass through. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. But if the temperatures remain stagnant and they stay hot, um, it's, it's going to be tough. And I'd say that that deer activity is going to remain about a three, three and a half, maybe a four at best uh, for the next few, uh, few days, you know, and up to the next seven or ten days. Well, I hope things turn around for you down there, and uh, I always enjoy talking to you and hearing your reports. Thanks for your time, Josh. Thank you. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired to Hunts Radio. Thanks to all the guests who joined us this week, and thank you guys for listening. 
As always, check out Wired to Hunt on Facebook and Instagram at Wired to Hunt. And you can check out my new website, Rutfresh, on Facebook and Instagram or at the website's address, www.rutfresh.com, where you'll see some gear reviews, tips and tactics, uh, and some additional field reports like you hear on Rut Radio. Good luck to everyone out there who is pursuing a velvet buck, and we will talk to you guys next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.